Hey, you came back. Thanks for coming back. Welcome to Tales from the Chalkline Week 2. I'm your host, Ann Schwartz, and this week we get to talk to Refranz Davis. She is the coolest. But first, I want to give you this week's syllabus. The first thing on the syllabus is what you need to read this week. You should read everything that Melissa writes, but more importantly, you should read this particular piece about why white kids need more teachers of color. It was hit home pretty hard for me, and I think it will probably hit home for everyone else. That's Melissa Anderson or at MDA Writer on Twitter. She's amazing. To listen to this week, you should definitely listen to Lemonade, Beyonce's new thing that just came out that is amazing. I may have subscribed to a month of free title in order just to listen to this. Guys, it's Beyonce. What should you watch this week? Well, you should watch Vermont's Room. Vermont's Room. I don't know if I'm saying this right. My mom and I have a disagreement. But it is a thriller suspense movie. Um, I'm watching it with my third period right now, and there's two reasons I like it. One is it's about a whole bunch of mathematicians trapped in a room, which is possibly the nerdiest construct ever. And two, uh, it's in Spanish, which means two things. One is it means that the kids have to read subtitles, which means they can't text at the same time they're watching the movie. Uh, The other thing is that it's people doing math in Spanish, which my students don't see a lot of and I think is important. I've also linked to a vine about sexual prevention, sexual assault prevention month. You don't have to watch that, but maybe you want to. This week, again, we are talking to Refranz Davis. Uh, She is quite possibly the coolest. When we first picked up, we talked a whole bunch about how we've never met, but we've been friends on Twitter for like three or four years now. And we have other friends, too, who we've never met or met once or twice. She was shocked to find out that I'd only hung out with Jason maybe twice and Grace maybe once. And these are people that I consider myself very good friends with. So I hope that you will enjoy listening to this. I have to do a caveat right now, which is that while Skyping with her friends, my Wi-Fi went off maybe 100 times. So there's some weird clip parts, and you'll hear me talk a little bit before two of them because I want to make sure that you might only be one. But I want to make sure that you get the context of what was going on there, and there's a little bit missing at the beginning that I'm going to fill in myself because I am new to this. But I'm sure you will enjoy this. It's super interesting. We talk about reading her first black author when she was a child and about her father and segregated schools and educolor and body image and her kids and all kids and surviving the zombie apocalypse, which she and I are both very concerned about. So I hope you will listen and enjoy Tales from the Chalk Line. This is your intro music brought to you by Ann Schwartz. Do, 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 do. Let's start with this. Who are you and what pronouns do you prefer? I am Refrans Davis and pronouns uh, she, her. Awesome. Um, by the way, I watched the little video on your thing on saying your name and you've changed it recently. Or maybe it wasn't recently. But now it's a whole bunch of people with different accents saying your name. 
Which is, by the way, not helpful in how to properly say your name. (laughs) No, it's not. But it was very cute when it was done. That that one needs to be updated. Um, It's real cute. I did it because they. It was the. It was the only time I was around a global collection of people. Come on now, that's when you get people to say your name, and sometimes they're just gonna jack it up. That sounds about right. (laughs) Um, This one's a little interesting because, well, where are you, and what does your classroom look like? I am in Texas. Um, I'm in East Texas, and my classroom is actually an office space um, because I am not in the classroom. I'm a district's um, uh, executive director of professional and digital learning, but I honestly consider every classroom my classroom uh, because I don't stay in my office. I am in classrooms. And what is your district like? Is it a K-12? Is it a It's K-12, K-12 public school. Cool. And what does it mean to be the executive director of technology and something? (laughs) I lost the end of that. (laughs) That's usually what I just say is I I have a title and I have a lot of things that I have to do. Um, It's really interesting. It's interesting work. It is difficult. But the transition into being a district leader in a place that is, um, you know, very behind on a lot of things is hard when you have to realize that you can't do everything and you can't fix everything and you can't fix everybody. Um, But it's also amazing to be able to be that person to say yes to things that traditionally have been no. And, um, and, and those are the moments that I think I cherish more than anything. What made you um, switch jobs? Cause I know you just moved and switched jobs. Um, this job, actually, uh, I, I think when I started out in the classroom teaching, I, because I came from a very non-traditional college um, in that my professor wrote uh, one of the federally funded teacher quality grants. And so we actually, starting from my junior year of college, had been collaborating with, um, with um, veteran teachers to um, build and develop like interactive lessons. We have been training teachers. Before I was even a teacher, I was doing training. And so I kind of always knew that I wanted to do um, um, development in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I sat down and wrote my 10-year plan, one of those plans was director of technology. This is the first place where my Wi-Fi cut out. And it's a bummer because we're missing about five minutes of the interview. There's some really interesting stuff that you should ask her friends about if you're interested about being a woman of color in an executive level position in Texas, of which Refrans is one of few, particularly in the technology department. But what is so cool about Refrans is that she wrote this down before she even started teaching, and now she's doing it. After we talked about this a bit, the chunk that you're missing right now, we jumped into Refranz's childhood, so I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about reading books of, by authors of color for the first time. So growing up, I had never, ever, ever read a book by a person of color, a black person or any person who wasn't white until high school. Didn't even know that they existed. They didn't have any books with characters that looked like me in my elementary school. I loved um, Ramona Quimby and Beverly Cleary. I loved those books. And I, it, the mischievous part of her, it didn't matter that she was, I pictured a little white girl with brown hair. I never pictured myself, even though... Um, it, it, it was just, it was impossible. 
Um, but in high school, junior year, I was 16 years old and we were studying the Harlem Renaissance. And um, I just remember being so just entranced in the, the, the music and the stories. And I basically camped out in my library and what my library didn't have, I went to the public library and they didn't have books. And I don't even remember how I got it or where, but I bought my very own copy of Richard Wright's Black Boy. Oh. And um, that, I mean, that's a heavy book. Yeah. I read everything I could get my hands on that Richard Wright wrote, that Langston Hughes wrote. Um, then I, I mean, I, I just, then I discovered women. It was, it was as if my entire world changed. Okay. So 16 year old Refrains, if you could give her a couple of books to read, what books would you give 16 year old Refrains? <sighs> oh, wow. Um, probably the same books that I think I started with because I remembered how I felt reading. Um, I remember how I felt reading black boy felt empowered. I felt connected to who I was. It, 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 I had never read from that perspective of a person of color in a, in a post racial or racial world. I never read anything like that before. Um, and I, I may become a little bit addicted to it. <laughs> that feels like a good choice. Yeah, it was. It was the conversations even with my dad after that I that I was able to have. And I was really all of a sudden really interested in his life going to a segregated school and the transition from being segregated to non-segregated and how much they lost in that process. Because that's something that we actually never hear about is we, we know segregation, ha I mean, integration happened, but we never hear about how much was taken away from um, those students of color when they integrated. They lost, they, they were school leaders in their old school. They transitioned to the new school and were denied leadership. They were denied the, the right to speak. They were denied all those things that were built within them in such an authentic way. They lost that. Are you talking about the students or the teachers? The students. Yeah, because you just made me think about the teachers, which I have never thought about because were segregated schools taught by black teachers? Yes, they were. And some of those teachers, most of those teachers lost their jobs. Some of them were hired for less pay, oh. um, but most of them were, um, they, they were not hired. Oh, that's awful. I never even, well, good job. I live in my world. Um, uh, so definitely Black Boy. Are there other ones that you would recommend? Um, you know, if Sharon Draper's work was available back then, then as a teenage with Franz, I would have loved to have read everything Sharon Draper wrote. I don't know um, what Sharon Draper wrote. What did um, Sharon Draper so write? So she is a, um, she writes a lot of um, African-American teen fiction. Ooh. And um, she wrote a book called Copper Sun, which was about a, um, a teenager uh, from going from um, uh, Africa to captivity as a slave and the journey of that, um, that person from a young person's perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but she also wrote one of my favorite books she wrote is one called Who Am I Without Him? And it's one that I actually gave to my daughter. Um, and it was about struggles of young black girls dating and trying to find their own selves and identity um, in the dating world. And um, I just, those were the books that as a classroom teacher, I kept a lot of those books on my shelf for my students to read because our school did, did not carry books for them. So I would order them myself through Amazon. I had my own library of multicultural books. 
Here's the other time my Wi-Fi cut out that I couldn't quite get back to the right moment. Here Rafranz is talking about her ninth grade English teacher and how she herself decided to become a teacher. To get into college, it was scored perfectly too. Um, but I had teachers that took me to the office to say she, she could not have written this. She's not capable of doing that. Uh, my freshman year honors teacher, I was in an honors class. I was so excited to be in this class, but I also now realize that I had ADHD at the time and didn't know it. Um, and if people can say what they want, but I know how my life is different on medication versus not. Yeah. And, um, and I recognize it, but at the time I struggled with organization. It didn't mean I wasn't capable, but I struggled with really organizing my thoughts and my work. And my teacher kicked me out of class because I had a B average and said that I was bringing the average down and I wasn't, I didn't need to be in that class. It was too fast paced for me and I needed to be in a regular class. And I just remember feeling embarrassed and, and just, um, I felt like a failure at, at, in those moments. And so growing up was hard. And that honestly is why I decided to come back and teach in my hometown because I knew what it was like being me. And I felt like I might be able to help someone else who was struggling like I was. As So you go into lots of classrooms, yes? Yes. Okay. So what is one thing that happens in classrooms when you walk in that makes you like ridiculously happy? Oh, um, when the kids are, um, you remember my school is brand new to any type of transformative learning. Just think traditional. Okay. Okay. But it makes me really happy to see when our teachers are doing, um, they do a great job of involving the community in their learning. Mm. So I'm really excited when I walk in and there's like a person from the farmer's market there talking about the produce that the kids are growing in the garden. Or um, they'll bring in a person who um, it works in the, the community um, vegetation area, but they'll come in and um, they're cooking vegetables for the kids to actually taste of what they're growing. Um, or I think one of my favorite classes that I go into at all is robotics. It's not a really a class. It's the engineering class. And yes, it sounds because of the tech, but that's not it. <laughs> Their teacher is so inspiring and phenomenal and she sees every kid for who they are, for what they need, even when they don't know it. And she has kept logs and logs, years of data on the students that she has had and what they have done post-graduation. And she's a, a, the, the engineers, engineering majors that have come out of our school district have gone through her program. And there's a, quite a few of them that people really don't realize that she has helped to cultivate. Um, so I'm, I love going in there and being wowed by these kids that, um, honestly just want someone to listen to them. And I, I have two boys that are really into playing the magic card game. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when they, you, first off, I'm just going to be really honest. I was, did not want to talk about it for three hours, but I had to listen to them because they wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also convinced them to start a YouTube channel and they hadn't thought about that. I said, you love, and you're so passionate about this. That's what makes great YouTube content. You need to do a YouTube channel. And, and like, when I go look on YouTube, I don't see anybody talking about it and YouTube would be amazing. So like to, to have moments like that are, are just, um, they're hands down the best. Yeah. Kids doing things competently and sort of confidently feels really good. Really good. 
Yes, it does. And, and especially when you can tell that these are things that they truly care about. Um, and, and we have to be so much better at, at really trying to cultivate and understand what that is. And, and I mean, we just have to. Yeah. I feel very similarly about my drama kids. I say this because we're one week out from the play and I'm watching them do things and just like really do them, right? Which is so cool. Um, what do you miss most about being in the classroom? The one-to-one connection with the kids who were definitely mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss that. Um, I hate that sometimes even when I meet kids, I know their faces, but I don't know all their names. And I, I will never learn all of their names other than the ones that I'm around all the time. But I knew the kids that I taught in my class and, and I miss those connections. I honestly, honestly do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have been off Twitter a little bit for a while because <laughs> I started a new job that was very all encompassing and now I'm about a year, almost two years in and I'm feeling a little freer again, but I was working a lot. Uh, but I came back and EduColor had sort of blown up since I came back. Um, and it's no longer just a hashtag. It now has a steering committee <laughs> and is super fancy. So um, what part did you play in that? And what does it mean to be on the steering committee? Um, you know, I think that I still remember the first time I met Jose. It was at EduCon in Philly. And it was maybe three years ago. And, um, no, two years ago, it was not three, it was two years. No, it was three. (laughs) I don't even, I don't even know. It might've two or two. Let's go with two. That sounds right. Um, but I was, I was at the Franklin Institute and, um, I knew him from Twitter and put, and I felt like such a fangirl because I literally curled up in my blanket and read his whole blog, like beginning to end like a book. And so when he walked up the stairs to come say hello, it was as if I was shaking the hand of Angela Bassett, who is just like oh my God. <laughs> queen mother to me, right? And so um, yeah. I, that was, and, and then I met Melinda and she was so just, ah, oh. and then Sabrina and I could literally, okay, if I can do like this, I could literally just listen to Sabrina talk all day. Um, and so I we love were- everything she tweets. I do too. <laughs> Just like every, like I'll come on and I'll be like, oh my God, where have I, every time, oh sorry, anyway, keep going. So you met all these people, they're amazing. And, and Sheon and his, and it's just, it was amazing. So I was, I remember we were at um, SLA and sitting um, upstairs in the library the last day. And so we started talking about EduColor and, edu- and the conversation had kind of been happening in the back end anyway about us really turning this into something. And that was the moment when I, the steering committee, I guess, kind of formed. And so that has really meant a lot of work in the back end and, um, you know, a lot of Google collaboration of, of ideas and what we should do and shouldn't do and how we should do it and standards and um I'm re- I've been really pushed in ways that I did not even think I could be pushed in terms of understanding the greater scope of education and the importance of the work. Um, and, and that, I guess, to me is what EduColor edu- has, has just kind of become. I mean, I'm in Texas. We don't even have unions. We don't have tenure. So when I'm watching the struggle and watching like Chicago's teachers go on strike and listening about Philly not having nurses, 
nurses and we take ours for granted that there's a nurse in every school, but there are school districts that they have a nurse every other Friday. Yep. And it's them in the afternoons. Oh, that is just so nuts to me. Um, but it's, it's, (laughs) it's really helped me to understand that the world is bigger than where I live in terms of education and everything that I thought is not true. And, (laughs) and that's okay because we needed to, I needed to learn that. Such a, all of what you just said was so good. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to put it into what is one thing that you push in the conversations. So my role in Educolor is I'm now, so we have now started to segment into areas that we focus on specifically because I mean, when you think about social justice, that can be a plethora of things. And so my specific area is in digital equity um, and not just talking about devices. Cause if you notice, I rarely talk about devices as much. Um, but to really push, um, how we, how our students access them, how schools decide that the, the school that's serving most students of color doesn't get to have technology, but we're going to make sure the white school across town is one-to-one because we're afraid that the black kids or the Hispanic kids will sell their device or somebody will steal it or something like that. Like we, we really do talk about, um, policy. Um, we also talk about some of the asinine things that happen with educational technology and the ed tech circuit. And, um, some of the, 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 I think the funnest conversations are when, um, when things are happening on Twitter and you're just not even going to mess with talking about it on Twitter, but we can have our kind of our group to talk about it on the back end. But I think that the work that I'm most proud of is kind of what spearheaded this push towards technology or ed tech in terms of educolor. And it has been, um, to help create and form this very hefty support network of, um, professionals of educational technology of color that, um, you know, we often have been very not heard, very silent in the big landscape, but we've also kind of helped to build and promote each other on what to do to really build your voice in your district and with your school to create programs that could that will reach kids. So um, I think that a lot of my work has honestly been building um, a support network for teachers of color who do technology or support technology or innovation in their schools. And we found there's such a great need for it. And um, it has steadily grown. Like every, you know, few days we're adding someone else to that group and it, it sits on Boxer not every one of those people are actually in Educolor, but um, the but a few of them are in Educolor as well. So um, that, that, that's I, I guess that's sort of been my kind of my and maybe Jose's and this our steering committee shared vision is sub- building the support network for teachers at the same time advocating for students. Are there other people in the support network who are at the director level like you are? Um, yes, there's one other who is a, an actual director of all of them, but I know one other, um, technology director who is of color. Um, I know actually two, one is a woman and she's like a professional development director and there's quite a few professional development, but not a lot of technology. And so, um, it's, it's, it's also been interesting is we've been complaining about the lack of teachers of color in technology or the lack of people in, in voices at um, events. But here's the deal. We haven't been submitting sessions for those things. So you really can't change what you're not actively trying to change. 
And so that's been a, a huge part of the work is making sure that we are um, being visible and sharing our work um, so that we can change that, that, that dynamic of who gets to be heard. Um, I mean, I think the whole Educolor thing is very cool, but I didn't know how deep it ran, which is even cooler. I read your, I read your blog, which I read pretty regularly, but um, I read the one, and this is the one that connected with me because it hit on my sort of, about being visually appealing. Yeah. And the person I wanted to smack that I don't even know. So smacking them is probably the wrong choice. Um, yeah, that's, I just, I don't even answer the phone when he calls me anymore. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, his bad. That's a completely lost business and everything. Um, that, that one was very kind of hard, I guess, for me to write. But you know what? I found a lot of women who deal with the same thing. And um, who have not felt like they could address it or say anything about it. And, um, you know, it was, I did not write it for people to be, oh, refrains, blah, blah. That was not why I wrote it. I wrote it because at that very moment, I was hurt. And when I feel, I write. And that literally is the only time I can write is when I feel and then I can write. Same, same. Yeah. I don't do a very good job with like, here's what I did in my classroom today. Oh, I suck at that. <laughs> yes. I just read it and I had to step back. And the question I have for you, and I, you sort of answered it, was do you see representations of yourself in leadership positions? So, no. Okay. Um, I, I, let me just put it this way. A few months ago, there was, um, Texas had, so we have a National Alliance of Black School Educators, and Texas had its, um, you know, meeting of the Texas Alliance of Black School Educators. And in the Leadership Academy, a person got up who is a campus um, HR director and told that group that as a woman, um, and you had, if you wanted a job in leadership, you need to make sure that you are physically fit. So you need to lose weight. You're not going to get hired if you are overweight. Um, and then your hair can't, you don't, you need to, don't do natural hair, that your hair needed to be straightened and you needed to make sure that you had on makeup and you dress like you were going to church on Sunday mornings. And that, oh. that is what he told this entire room. And this was they, a man, this was a man. And it's a man who is respected in that organization. But here's what made it worse. The women in the room, some of them were offended. And a couple of them, I wasn't there. A couple of them sent me messages like, Refrains, you'd be glad you were not in this room because you would have flipped. Um, but when I went to Twitter, I saw support from women for what he said. And these were women who fit that mold already. Right. Um, who, were, who were completely for this. And I am, I believe in being healthy and exercising and, and doing all of the things that you need to do. Um, but I don't believe that it's fair to judge a person based on that. Um, and I also don't believe it's fair that we kind of set these visual distinctions of who gets to do what. The cute blonde gets to, gets to go and do the, the, the cute thin blonde. Let me, let me say right. that. 
specifically. Cute, cute young thin blonde gets to um, go be the lead presenter at a conference because people are going to want to look at them. And um, and I, I just think that sucks. But I also see that on occasion, it depends on actually the environment of the school. In my school, I don't see that as much. Um, and, and maybe in very country areas, you don't probably don't see that as much, but in, um, and, and sometimes that, that exists and it's, it just all depends on who is that person that gets to make that decision. And it sucks that there are people who will not be heard because someone does not want to look at them. Yeah. That makes me want to punch people. You and me both. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that we also don't, I mean, is an issue too, is um, I remember, um, oh, because you know I'm very outspoken. <laughs> uh, we were at a, a state um, conference, not a state conference, like a regional conference, like a, may have been two years ago. And um, it, so CDW, which is this big technology um, company that a lot of people buy technology from, they actually have their own staff to be leaders all over the country and to go and speak. And when they sponsor events, they also include their own staff to be presenters. So we're actually learning from vendors, right? Mm-hmm. Or they do. I kind of refuse to do that. Um, so anyway, um, I walked up to the guy from CDW and I said, you have literally all white men working for you and that does not represent education at all. And you need to change that. So when you're ready to change that, call me. And, um, Damn, girl. <laughs> I, I have been known to do that kind of crazy stuff. There are stories, woman stories. Um, but a friend of mine was sitting beside me and he goes, you know, I agree the same thing. He says, I'm a gay man. And, um, I, there are schools that will not hire me or I can never have a leadership position because I'm a gay man. And, um, there are certain school districts that are like that, that, that because we're in such, so ingrained in our Bible belt feelings about what's right and wrong that people who are highly qualified to work for kids will be denied the ability to do that because they love someone of the same gender. And that is, I just, it, that infuriates me more than anything. And, and that was kind of a, an eye opening moment for me at that moment too. Um, and, and not too long after that, I started in another school district and, um, they, it, I've watched people literally hide themselves because um, they didn't want anyone to have anything to say um, in, in, in terms of, you know, who, who they were um, affiliating with or who they were dating or not dating. And I just, it's, it's so weird how, when you talk to people, it really does change your perspective and you see the world differently. Um, And, and I think you have to. I have one more long question, then we're going to do the short part. Okay, and you can choose to answer this or not, always, as all the questions. You have a grown black daughter and a high school age black son. If you, so there are people to this podcast who maybe only have one black child in their entire classroom, or two, or have taught one or two in their entire career. And if there was something that you could say to your son's teachers or your daughter's teachers, if there was something that you were like, this is a thing you need to do, is there something? Yes. Number one, do not treat him as if he is some kid on the other side of town that you feel doesn't have um, support and structures. Don't treat him as if the the way you treat, um, don't treat him the way 
you treat the other kids who you shouldn't treat a certain way. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I, I don't talk to my son as if he is a piece of dirt on the ground and don't try to knock down his ability to lead, um, his, his care for other people. Um, if he's, if he's argumentative to you, to him, he's advocating for himself. Um, don't say he can't advocate for himself and you let the white kid sitting next to him advocate for himself. Um, those, I, I think that I want you to look at my son and see him for who he is and, and, and see him for who he is as being brilliant and talented and fearless and sometimes hardheaded, but that's, he's a kid and that's who he is. Um, my daughter is, don't look at her. She was a cheerleader. Don't look at her and assume, first of all, don't put her into the stereotype that you put cheerleaders into. Um, don't think that doesn't mean that she's smart. Don't think that she is not a leader herself. Um, don't think that the only thing she cares about is her makeup and weave. And oh, by the way, don't worry about her weave. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and by, now she's gone natural. So, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but, um, my daughter and son want to be leaders like anyone else. They want to represent their school. They want to represent their families. Let them. And if you don't have a way that to do that, create a way for them to do it because they deserve it. And oh, by the way, so does every other student of color in that building too. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, okay. I call this section standardized tests. <sighs> They're short questions. Um, do you ever listen to the podcast Another Round? I haven't listened to a podcast in so long. Oh, my God. Okay, well, they're the best. They do like a little short piece at the end. So I just want to be clear that I'm completely stealing this 100%. So do you have catchphrases? Yes. So there's that. And I stole it from Audrey Waters. <laughs> she says it. And when I read her writing, she's all, she always in tweets. She's always saying that. And. It somehow it kind of stuck, and I think people think I created it, but I didn't. So I'll, it's, it's literally, anytime I say something completely sarcastic, it always ends in, so there's that. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, what was your favorite subject as a kid? <gasps> uh, trigonometry and computer science. Ooh. Uh, what is a new thing you have learned recently? How to code Python on a Raspberry Pi. That was the coolest thing you've ever said. Um, what song are you listening to or album recently? Um, um, uh, um, Beyonce Formation. Oh, because of course. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I, when it came out and like, I know I am not the target audience and I take that fully. But when it came out, I must have played it over and over again like 20 times. It's oh, so good. I, I, I watched the visuals. Uh, it was everything. The, the middle finger, the, the, the symbolism of it, the, the proud costume. of her blackness, that I love my baby hair with baby hair and air froze. And it reminded me of my mother forcing us into perms when we were young, perming my daughter's hair when she was two, mad at me because my hair is not permed right now and mad at my daughter because her hair is natural right now and wanting to know why are you doing that? Why aren't you perming your hair? Um, it just, it, it was everything. Ugh. 
Um, and Blue Ivy with all that confidence. That girl has uh, all the confidence. Yeah, she. you don't have to worry about the whatever the world has to say, Blue Ivy doesn't know it. I love it. Um, what? Uh, who is a person that you think everyone should follow on Twitter? Oh, wow. Uh, um, I'm going to be a little bit surprising, and I'm going to say Zach Chase. And I say Zach Chase because I have been following the blog series that he's been doing with Ben Wilkoff, where they challenge each other with some type of question and they have to, they have to take that and write a blog based on it. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I'm always learning something from him. He wrote an incredible piece on being a um, gay man, gay educator, mm-hmm. and how in certain states he could not, he knew that he couldn't teach. He couldn't live. He couldn't work um, and, and really questioning the system. And it was probably one of the most powerful pieces that I have ever read in my life. Well, now I am following Zach Chase because <laughs> I did not before. That was that was surprising. His um, blog is amazing. I have evening plans. Um, <laughs> what is the best PD you've ever been to? <sighs> Pie Academy USA. Okay. Uh, so it was by the Raspberry Pi Foundation, but I'm going to tell you why, because that's probably surprising too. It Normally is. I would say like Educon every time I've been to Educon, <laughs> but, um, and honestly, that is probably very true, but there was something happened with Pi Academy. Number one, I was a closet coder, meaning I only really coded kind of nothing. And, um, I did, I advocated for everybody else to learn computer science, but I wasn't really applying it in myself in any kind of way. Um, I, I learned basic in high school and Pascal and I aged myself. That's pretty much it. <laughs> but, um, but I've been taking like code Academy courses and honestly that you're not, I don't know how people learn that way. Cause you really need to apply it. And, um, going to Pi Academy and having to do Python and having to, to make, circuits and to create something in a in using a language I didn't know pushed me in ways I have never been pushed ever so I literally came home and and just started trying to write programs and trying to question the world and it was at the computer history museum and I was pissed off because there were no people of color in the museum and I knew we were a part of something and I was mad at them for not having Katherine Johnson and um, the other women who worked on um, the, the NASA expedition, the first one to the moon, they weren't mm-hmm. even featured and they're making a movie about it. Um, so I was mad at that, but I was really happy with coming back and learning. And then, um, and then to be able to take that and now I'm, I'm going to teach programming camps this summer. Oh. I'm not great at that and I'm going to do it and I don't care. And um, it just, it means something knowing that I... I'm going to do something that I'm really afraid of. Um, but it, it, I would not have done it had I not gone to that camp. Oh, so good. Um, what is the TV show that you have watched the most times or, or just one start to finish? <laughs> do you want a list? Um, oh, yeah. You're a big TV fan. Uh, well, I don't watch TV when it comes on. I am a Hulu person. So okay. I have watched all the daily shows now with Trevor Noah. Because I I think that he I think he started out kind of rocky, but I think that he he is amazing. I love him now, um, and I love Jessica Williams, who is a on oh, on yeah. the show. I mean, she is like she has a podcast that Does I'm she? behind on. Yeah, she just started it. Um, oh, I gotta look that one up. 
Yes, you need to like go if you go to her Twitter and, and the, 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 I follow her on Twitter for sure. Yeah, she's linking it. But um, so um, Big Bang Theory, which people would be surprised about because it is very white. But um, I appreciate the humor and I there are people who stop watching it because of the maybe sexist views with Penny. And um, yeah, you were you were the one. It's me. I re- and it's, it's not you- Penny. It's the mo- it was Howard's mom. I just got it just got mean for me. I don't find mean funny. But yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I do think it's funny. Like I know you, I think you wrote a blog about it. I did. I was really it angry. Was, you, I wrote it. I, I read it. You, and, and then I, I had watched the episode after and, um, and then I was like, I wanted to side with you, but then I'm <laughs> laughing too much. And I couldn't help it. So I was like, I'm just going to secretly see, see, watch this. My thing doesn't have to be everyone else's. Thing. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But it was, um, so that one is kind of my escape. Mm-hmm. per se. Um, but I just recently started watching the walking dead and I binge watched the entire seasons one through five on Netflix. Like last week. Are they on season five? No, they're on season six, honey. Just end it. Oh. Um, and then I watched all of season six through, um, a, this website. Don't even ask, yep. but I <laughs> just leave it at that. But yeah, so, but here's what's bad. I got so involved with zombies that I couldn't sleep anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have decided that if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm just going to die right away because I never have food in the house. I never have gas in my (laughs) car. Um, I have no weapons. I have no way of locking the doors. The zombies are just coming in and that's just it. That feels like Um, a good standardized test question. Now I'm going to add to it. Would you survive the zombie apocalypse? Yes, could you survive the zombie? Up, but I think that is a question that people. I'm no, adding it to the end. You should, because it's hilarious. So, I could not either. I, I can barely take care of myself. Let's. No, but I think that I would. I would probably do everything possible. Um, but I just, uh, just the 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 violent deaths on that show are, have just they do something to you. And I still watched it, and I'm so bad, but. Yeah, I think if I have two favorite shows right now, it's The Walking Dead, Big Bang Theory, and The Walking Dead, Big... I mean, I think yeah. The Walking Dead, Big Bang Theory for me. So I'm and The Voice, The Voice. I love The Voice. I'm going to sound like a super hipster, but I read the comic books for Walking Dead, like, right way before the TV show was, and I watched the first season, and it deviated, and I was like, I quit. I am See, also prone to nightmares. So I, I watched should not watch the, that shit. I read the comics after the episodes, and 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 I've it's really been interesting to see how much they've deviated and how much they've stayed the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm this last episode was I'm just like I'm annoyed with them, but I'm gonna know that I'm gonna watch it when it comes back on in October. Ah, uh-huh. I have shows like that too. Okay, um, what is uh oh, what is the weirdest place you've ever run into a student? Mahia, Texas. And here's why. I taught her in Ennis, Texas. Mahia is like a two hour drive away. And we were going out of town with family and we stopped at the chicken place and my former student was working there. <laughs> that is weird. I yeah. worked at an all girls boarding school in New York and ran in t- and had one of my former students work at the Ikea in San Diego, which felt like you said that. And I just thought that was mine. Um, what is something that you are really good at? And you can't qualify it. My students are really big on qualifying this with, I think I'm, or I kind of feel like I'm, but what is something you are really good at? Honestly, strategizing, listening to people 
whether they're talking about a program they're making, a lesson you want to do, and an app that you want to figure out how to use, I can honestly listen to any situation and come up with um, ideas and solutions really quick. That is a really good skill. Um, what would you be if you didn't work in education? I would um, bypass all the entry level positions and be a senior executive with like Microsoft. Damn straight you would. Um, what is your favorite iPad app or terrible iPad app like game that you play? <laughs> like your time killer? So I'm going to give you a guilty pleasure, but okay. I'm going to tell you my favorite app right now. My favorite app right now at this moment is Adobe Post. Um, because it's, see, for, I've, I've, I've really have mastered the art of like sharing things I really love and then making app developers listen to me and be like, hey, will you join our little team of people that give us feedback? So um, I get to beta test for all the new st- up- updates so coming cool. with it. And I'm like in love with it. And it's not an educational ambassador group thing. These are like creatives from all over. And I, it's kind of cool just kind of doing that. Um, but... Uh, my guilty pleasure app is the Kim Kardashian game, but here's the trick. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Is so. this one of the terrible ones where you like read the story? Oh, but see, here's the deal. I'm pl- So I watched a YouTube video of a 13-year-old girl teaching you how to hack the game, and so I play a hacked version. Okay, so are you making it better because you don't play the actual game? <laughs> I'm making it better because she's not... You know how people have to like pay money for all the things to be unlocked? I just have all the things unlocked. So it's not that it's better. It's when I'm really bored and I need something to do, I'll just like, you know, do fake, um, you know, fake modeling shoots or be fickle or go to Kim Kardashian's house or go take care of the two babies that I don't know who's taking care of that somehow I've gotten in this game by having... I mean, by, by having a boyfriend that I'm semi-married to. But yeah, that is <laughs> literally. But the best part for me is the little 13-year-old girl. And so now they've actually fixed this the patch so they can tell if you're playing on an illegal game. So anytime I turn it on, it says you're playing on an un, on an, an on an on a game that has been tampered with. Um, you will not have the ability to do X, Y, and Z. You need to uninstall and reinstall. And I just bypass that and just you know let it roll because I'm not going to restart that game. I'm never giving her my money. Period. That's an amazing. I love that. That <laughs> I love. I saw a kid play it once, and I didn't understand it but I was like are you really doing this but now I know grown-ups play it which makes it better <laughs> it's it, it's the worst um and I it is it's how I pass the time when I'm bored I mean I people probably expected me to say Minecraft because I do play a lot of Minecraft um and I play with my nephew but a way better answer than Minecraft <laughs> that was a guilty that is a, a fact that people do not know about me so the, you this is the the deal if people actually listen to this podcast and, and make it, it to the end and make it to the end and get to that part, I will know because they will tweet something about right, it. So I'm not going to talk about it in anything that I <laughs> advertise for this. We're just going to see if people make fun of you or not. <laughs> uh, or we're going to see if there's like other closet Kim Kardashian game players. You know what? I play on an illegal version. So 
Kim does not get my money. Instead, I thank the 13-year-old girl that made the video on YouTube. Like, she was literally all about it. This is how you hack the game, and you can get unlimited K-Stars and unlimited money, and you never, you have like a billion dollars, and you can have all the clothes. You don't have to do anything. Um, so here it is. And so I, that was like, what? 13-year-old girl? Thank you. Yes. All right. Last question. Um, and I end all of my podcasts with this, which is what is the best thing you did today? Oh, here's the best thing I did today. We're having um, an, an honors program. My superintendent does a superintendent honor roll. So mm -hmm. they've invited 500 kids to a breakfast on Saturday. And um, I volunteered to help our PR team do the video montage. And so um, I got really nerdy with it. Um, I wanted to find a song that, like, I downloaded songs on Apple. And, that, and so I did it all with my iPad. So I have this big, huge iPad Pro, right? Okay. Fancy. Um, it is fancy. And it's insane. But um, but I have this um, this app called Replay that you literally it's like Animoto. You put in the images or video and it mixes everything. But you can change the timelines or it has so many different animations and and songs that are a part of it. But um, I didn't like any of the songs, so I wanted I I I downloaded like a Justin Bieber instrumental. I was trying to be all hip for the kids, right? <laughs> Um, yep. but then I ended up finding titanium and a titanium version on YouTube of, well, I found one on, on the, um, on, in the app, like I, I downloaded it, I bought it of a guy playing on violin. Oh. And then, and then I found, I, and then I, I didn't like his version anymore because the sound quality was horrible. So I went on YouTube and I found an artist who played it on flute and I was a flute player in school and it was beautiful and it made me want to play my flute again. Um, my flute is what paid for me to go to college, by the way. And so um, I, I used, I messaged him or whatever and um, got permission and used his version of the song. Um, loaded the, the song. I had to like make it loop twice. So I had to put it in like um, um, a, an online music editor to bridge the songs together. But to make a long story short, it, it didn't take long to do that. The PR team at my district did all the images and it was great. And I um, put it together and finalized the video and made sure that it's available for tomorrow. Cause I won't be there. I'll be flying to Maryland. But, um, that was probably my, my, I love moments like that when my technology savvy kind of comes in, comes in handy. And, um, I don't, I'm not one of those people who kind of sees a situation and goes, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to find whatever way possible to figure it out. And that was watching that video just made me happy. Boop, 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 boop. Thank you so much for listening to Tales to the Chalk Line. I hope that you will come back in two weeks as I try to continue this. And I hope that you will tweet at me at at Germain and at Refrans at at Refrans Davis and comment on this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week. Boop, boop, boop. And does outro music. Bum, bum.